Hi, my name's Grant Fishbook, and I am honored to be the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King Church in Bellingham, Washington. Thank you so much for choosing to access this online content today. We really hope you'll enjoy this message. One of our values here at Christ the King is biblical face-to-face -face community. And so while we are so excited that you joined us today online, I really want to encourage you. Make sure that this is never a replacement for face-to-face -face biblical community. Your story matters, you matter, and we want to see you get connected in a local church. Now, if you're here in our area, we would love to have you join us at any one of our five campuses. But if you find yourself outside of the Bellingham area, we really want you to get connected into a local church. So we hope and pray that that happens for you very, very soon. Well, good morning, sleep-in service. I'm glad that you are here. To those of you that are watching online as well, we're glad that you have joined us. I haven't mentioned before, my name is Grant, one of the teaching pastors here. And uh, we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 8. We've been doing a series. And let me kick it off with this. So about six months ago, so in the fall, I'm sitting with a group of young leaders from our church. We were just drinking coffee together and talking. There was no agenda. That's just what we were doing. We were just connecting together. One of them was uh, fixing my phone, showing me some new apps that I could use to make my life a little bit easier, which I appreciated. I appreciated their intelligence in that. I'm a little technically challenged, so that was really cool. Two of them were helping me not be an idiot, okay? They were sharing their wisdom with me because I've learned something. As I get older, the sayings that I use and the words that I use sometimes mean something different than what I intended, okay? Until about six months ago, I thought Netflix and chill was a family movie night, okay? It's not. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, God bless you in your ignorance, okay? I thought, I thought getting busy meant that you were just working really hard. It doesn't anymore. And so my young friends were, were sharing with me and helping me not be an idiot. I really appreciated. At one point in the conversation, we started talking about family relationships. And I realized very quickly that in that group of six or seven students that were there with me that day, that only one of them would say that they had a good relationship with their father. It was a heartbreaking revelation. And in a moment that kind of surprised me, one of the young men sitting across from me that was just drinking his coffee, he, he said this. He said uh, in the form of a question, Grant, if you were my dad and I was your son, what would you want to tell me at this stage of my life? My first thought was, what an honor to be asked that question. My second thought was, I better say something wise. <laughs> so I said, here's what I would tell you. Follow Jesus. The real 
Jesus. Passionately and intimately and never, ever, ever apologize to this culture for following that path. Now, Chad uh, looked at me from across the table and he said, he goes, Grant, when you said that, you just lit up. Well, to me, that used to mean smoking a cigarette. Apparently, it doesn't mean that anymore either. Um, But today, Solomon is actually going to start teaching us about what happened at that table because in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 1, it says this, who is like the wise, who knows the explanation of things? A person's wisdom brightens their face, lights them up, and changes its hard appearance. So we're going to dive in today, Ecclesiastes chapter 8. So 12 weeks, 12 chapters. This is week number 8, chapter number 8. If you've got your Bible, your outline, or your app along with you, you can follow along, starting in verse 2. Solomon says, Obey the king's command, I say, because you took an oath before God. Do not be in a hurry to leave the king's presence. Do not stand up for a bad cause, for he will do whatever he pleases. Since a king's word is supreme, who can say to him, What are you doing? Whoever obeys this command will come to no harm. The wise heart will know the proper time and procedure. For there's a proper time and procedure for every matter, though a person may be weighed down by misery. Since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else what is to come? And no one has power over the wind to contain it, so no one has power over the time of their death. As no one is discharged in the time of war, so wickedness will not release those who practice it. Now, it's a little confusing. Wisdom and literature can kind of take you down all different kinds of interesting paths, and there are times when you're reading Ecclesiastes chapter 8, and and you kind of start wondering, is is Solomon talking about God as king, or or are there times when it actually appears like Solomon is just a little full of himself here, right? We're going to navigate that tension together. As I studied this past week, I kept going back to that moment with those young leaders in that coffee shop, and I found myself longing for something. It took me a while to put it together, and then I finally figured it out. I so wish I would have heard this when I was 18 years old. I so wish that someone would have showed up between that window of 18 to 24 and just said, Grant, just think about this wisdom. Well, I don't care if you're 18, 38, 48, 68, or 88. We all have something to learn today. But, but, but I put it in your outline this way. This is what I wish I would have known when I was 18 years of age. King Solomon kicks it off, that section, and he says everything. I mean, everything in your life starts with picking the right king. Solomon's been pleading with us for seven chapters to avoid a meaningless life. And I can tell you from experience, a meaningless life begins when the king you pick is you. If you want a meaningful life, you pick King Jesus. If you want a meaningless life, just put yourself on the throne of your own existence. Solomon spent a lifetime choosing himself. I mean, he told us in the first seven chapters, he chose his kingdom, his money, his sexual conquest, his stockpile, his throne, his intelligence. He He chose himself over and over and over again. And what's the conclusion so far? It's empty. It's a vapor. It's meaningless. That's a clue to the fact that at this time in his life, Solomon picked the wrong king. Here's the tension. Your world is going to keep telling you to pick yourself as king. Over and over again, you're going to hear this message. Choose yourself. It's your truth. Do what seems right to you. You can define your terms, your way, because it's your truth. You you can do whatever you want to. Just choose you. Here's the problem with that. It's the wrong king. 
I know I chose me for years. There are times when I still do. It's the wrong choice. Do you know why? Because I'm me. (laughs) I know me. I'm not a king. I need a king. And Solomon is just pleading with us, please, for the love of God, pick the right king. Secondly, we need a right authority. Here's the problem with many of us. We want to be in authority. We just don't want to ever be under authority. And when we don't want to be under authority, the only logical decision is to crown ourselves king over our, our own kingdom. I have a question for you. If you're sitting on the throne of your life this morning, here's my question. How's that working for you? Now, some of you would honestly respond, it's actually working pretty well, to which I would respond, just wait. <laughs> just wait. That decision will catch up with you. Solomon began to believe he could do life just fine on his own. I mean, he is exorbitantly wealthy. He has every kind of of perk that life has to offer. I mean, he actually, uh, according to Scripture, also has God's wisdom. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Has anyone else figured out that you can have God's wisdom, but the key is not just having it, it's actually applying it and obeying it? I mean, you can have head knowledge about God's wisdom. It doesn't mean anything. Solomon chose himself as king, literally and figuratively. And now he's sitting here in the book of Ecclesiastes saying, hey, don't pick you. Get under the right authority. And a lot of people that I meet, they love the idea of Jesus as king. They just, they they like that idea. It's cool. They love that idea of Jesus because Jesus is kind and benevolent and merciful and gracious and he wears a white bathrobe and a blue sash and he's got feathered hair and perfectly white teeth. I mean, they see him as this caricature that's been painted on a museum wall. But let me tell you and let me set the record straight, there is so much more to King Jesus than just a caricature. If you meet the real Jesus, I promise you, he's going to call you to come and lay your life down. He's going to call you to surrender to him. He's going to ask you to allow him to be the final authority in your life on all matters. You cannot have a side relationship with Jesus. He's going to call you out and say, this is how it works in my kingdom. It's all or nothing. Right king, right authority. And then Solomon talks about right proximity. Solomon says, just stay close to the king. Stay close to him. I believe we know we're close to the king when, when we know what King Jesus actually said. We don't think we know. We actually know because we've applied ourselves to the word of God. I mean, I hear people talk all the time. They, they quote Jesus and then, then they say, well, Jesus said this. I'm like, really? He did? Are you sure? I'm pretty sure that's more like the golden rule of kindergarten or something. I'm not sure you can attach it to Jesus though. And people are somewhat taken aback. I, I hear this from time to time. They go, you know, I just love the Sermon on the Mount. I'm just like, you like the, like, blessed are the peacemakers and the meek and those who mourn, mourn with those who mourn. I mean, just, it's just beautiful, right? And, and I'm like, have you read the entire Sermon on the Mount? Because Jesus starts turning up the heat on all of us in the Sermon on the Mount. Let me tell you something about King Jesus. King Jesus talked about hell. 
He talked about narrow gates. He talked about picking up a cross. He talked about separating sheep and goats. He talked about picking planks out of our own eyes and paying the ultimate price. We know that the kingdom of Jesus comes at a cost, but I'm also going to tell you this. It's the greatest cause you can ever give your life for. Ever. Which leads us to the next one. It's the right cause. I wish I'd heard this one when I was 18. Oh my goodness, I would have wasted, I wasted so much time trying to exact change for the wrong cause, okay? Embarrassing moment, but true. In my freshman year of college, I circulated a petition at my school to change the kind of toilet paper we were using. Yeah, that's worth that much time and energy. I mean, I look back on that now, it's embarrassing. I'll do it for you. It's like, what are you thinking, Fishbook? Come on. Listen to Solomon talk. He's whispering to us. There are hundreds of good causes out there that are crying for your attention. But wisdom will learn to discern the difference between a good cause and a God cause. And they're not often the same thing. Apply your energy and your passion to a God cause, not just a good cause. I mean, just thinking about, just think about this for just a second so that you can understand this. We wrap our, our brain around this. Have you ever stopped to ask Jesus, is this the cause that you want me to apply myself to? Have you actually gotten permission from your king? Have you sought wisdom to know whether or not what you're applying yourself to is simply temporary in this life or if it actually has eternal ramifications? By the way, the only eternal cause that's worth dying for is the kingdom of God. Let's keep moving, all right? After that, we need the right ally or the right alignment. Solomon has cautioned us in the last seven chapters with an interesting sub-theme. It's been running through all of the first seven chapters. This is my translation of what Solomon has been teaching us. You ready? Here it comes. Idiots run in packs. I want to get a t-shirt that says that, all right? Idiots run in packs, okay? Which means this, when you ally yourself with other people who have the right king and have chosen the right authority, you get this beautiful benefit. It's called alliance and accountability, and we need both. We need both. We need accountability and alliance because untethered human beings who think they're the king of the world, there's a word for them. It's dangerous, okay? You can be friends with everybody, but be very careful who you ally yourself with. Start with the question, do they have the right king? Are they under the right authority? Are they pursuing the right cause? And now we got to move to the right heart. Jesus said this, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Solomon, earlier in his life, used these words. He goes, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. You have the right heart when your mouth is biblical. So I want to say something to all of us before we even get there. In January of this year, we're going to hit a start line, and for the next 11 months... Our country's going to lose its mind. It's an election cycle. Oh, good, right? Some of you are already dreading it. 
all right? Because we know people are going to start saying things and typing things and dividing over things. They're going to be pulling in so many different directions. Some of us are actually going to forget the fact that we're followers of Jesus and we're not going to listen to the wisdom that comes out of his word. Before we hit this cycle, can I remind you of what God said to you? A soft answer turns away anger. God said through Solomon, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Our goal should always be that our mouth would reflect our heart. Because I'm telling you, if there's garbage coming out of your mouth, that's exactly what's here. Let's keep going. Solomon actually shows here that even with the right heart, you still need the right timing. I mean, you can have the right message with the right truth and the right intent, but if your timing's off, you can still do damage. I learned a leadership lesson a long time ago. Until God gives you a green light, wait. And then when he gives you the green light, proceed with courage. And then focus on the right delivery. When I was in the second grade, I had a teacher who had a bit of a temper. I never understood why the kids would be talking and it would be loud in the classroom and people were yelling and desk stuff was moving all over the place. And my second grade teacher would stand up in the middle of the room and say, stop yelling. <laughs> like, what? My third grade teacher was a genius. She would just go to her desk, sit down, put her head down. And within 30 seconds, everybody's totally quiet. It's just like, is she dead? Like, what's happening? Right? <laughs> And everybody's paying attention. You know, I wish I would have learned the right delivery a long time ago. Can I make a suggestion to you? If you're talking with somebody that you disagree with and maybe are very passionate about, try this language on for size. Hey, can I submit something to you for your consideration? It'll just suck all the anger out of the, uh, out of the conversation. Can I submit something to you for your consideration? Right delivery and finally right perspective. Solomon says, look, here's the deal. Nobody knows about the future, so start with this today. So quick story. I was asked to speak at a local community civic function, and they asked me to come and pray an invocation, right? I'm a pastor. That's what you do. An invocation, just a fancy word for formal prayer, okay? And, and I responded. And I said, I would be honored to come and pray. And then I got the email, the email said, you know, because of the audience that's coming, we would really appreciate if you do not pray in the name of Jesus. <laughs> we would like to encourage you to use inclusive language because of the audience that's there. And most of all, what we really want, we, please don't offend people with your faith. Okay, let's apply our heart to wisdom for just a moment. Number one, I serve Jesus. That's the right king. I pray in the authority of Jesus' name because it's the most powerful name on the planet and it's the only name that works. That's the right authority. I will never check Jesus at the door like a coat. That's the right proximity. He comes with me everywhere that I go. Now, don't get me wrong. Civic events are really, really good causes. But based on this request, it was not a God cause. 
So I had to graciously decline. And when I was asked by the director of the, of the community event, why, to the best of my ability, I aligned my heart with Jesus, who loves this community more than I ever could. I checked my heart so that I could speak grace and truth. I waited for the right time to give my response. I delivered my answer with as much grace as I could. And this is what I said. Jesus saved my life. Literally and figuratively. I owe him everything. So when I talk to him, I talk unfiltered like a kid to their dad. And when I pray publicly, I'm just inviting people to eavesdrop on the conversation. And I so honor the fact that you want to pray at your event. I think that's great. But unless I can pray to the one, the only one who can actually accomplish your cause, I'm going to have to graciously decline because let me be lovingly clear. I'm on team Jesus. Okay? So, so, I promise you something, you're going to have a decision to make in the next two days. Start with the right king, get up under the right authority, make sure you're working on the right cause, follow it all the way through, and I promise you when you get to the end of it, God will be glorified. Let's keep going, verse number one, all, verse number nine, all this I saw as I applied my mind to everything done under the sun, I'll remind you, under the sun, that's code for life without God. There's a time when a man lords it over those to his own hurt. Then too, I saw the wicked buried, those who used to come and go from the holy place and receive praise in the city where they did this. This too, it's meaningless. When the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, people's hearts are filled with schemes to do wrong. Although a wicked person who commits a hundred crimes may live a long time, I know that it will go better with those who fear God, who are reverent before Him. Yet because the wicked do not fear God, it will not go well with them, and their days will not lengthen like a shadow. There's something else meaningless that occurs on earth. The righteous who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve, this too, I say, is meaningless. So we have this right process. Solomon gives us wisdom. How's how you make decisions? And then inevitably you're going to end up with the right question. Here's the question Solomon's trying to unpack. Why do the wicked seem to come out ahead of the righteous? Like we like to ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Solomon's saying, why do good things happen to bad people? Like I don't understand that at all. That's a valid question. I don't have an easy answer for you. I don't understand all of the nuances. I remember struggling with this. I mean, when we started in ministry, Laurel and I are like up in Canada making like, like 18 grand Canadian a year, which is like nothing. We're living off of top ramen and lettuce, it feels like, right? And, and, and I go to a doctor's appointment, I open up a magazine, and, and I read an article about the lifestyle of Hugh Hefner. And I'm like, what's up with this, right? What's up with this? I mean, we're doing everything we can to scrape and get by. And God was so faithful. Don't misunderstand me. God was so faithful. But I'm asking the question, I'm doing God's work and scraping by, and Hugh is just being Hugh. What's up with that? I don't have an easy answer, but I'd like to submit to you something for your consideration. <laughs> what I would consider to be the right answer is, is the fact that there's always a cost for making the righteous choice. 
It's just going to cost you something. Is there blessing with that decision? Absolutely. Is it confusing at times? Absolutely. Can you ask the question out loud? I mean, Solomon did. But don't miss out on the wisdom he's been teaching us for eight chapters. Don't mistake temporary success for eternal reward. Okay? Don't mistake it. Don't be looking down the street at the shady person going, I wonder why they keep coming out ahead. I mean, they got a newer car, newer house. They seem to have all the perks in this world. Don't mistake for a second. You know what they're winning? They're winning a vapor contest. Poof, it's gone. Because you cannot follow God, accumulate a whole pile of stuff. I hate to break it to you. You're not taking any of it with you any more than any of the rest of us are. That's why Solomon's saying, don't get fixated on the temporary, invest in the eternal. You know, I've learned something. When I'm loving and following Jesus, no matter what is crashing around me, I have a benefit that not many people get. I can sleep. I can sleep. I'm a chaplain with the Whatcom County Sheriff's Office. I spend time with people who are incarcerated, and I've learned this to be true. When you're upside down in your life, sleep evades you. I've talked to people who identified themselves as wicked and they would say the same thing. I hate nighttime. I hate it. Because it's just me and my thoughts and my memories. I mean, it's actually true. There is no rest for the, finish it for me, for the wicked. There's not. So we come to the end of it. Solomon says, okay, so here's your Sunday and your Monday. You got decisions to make. Here's a process. You can walk it through. You're going to end up with some right questions. They're not easily answered, but, 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 but you're going to encounter them, and it's okay to ask. Struggle inside of the injustice of life at times. And then in verse 15, he goes a completely different direction. He's actually going to start changing tone for the next couple of chapters. I'm excited to get there, okay? Verse 15, he says, so I commend the enjoyment of life, because there's nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Now, let's be careful with this, because it says under the sun. I don't want you to misinterpret, okay? God's common grace is actually affecting all of us right now. If you're breathing, it doesn't matter if you know God or don't know God, that's God's common grace to you, okay? Amen. Okay, it's God's common grace. And here he says, there's nothing better under the sun, even in life without God, than to get to the end of the day and eat and drink and be glad. Here's what we need to know. Everyone has that available to them. Those that follow Jesus get to experience it in a completely different way. Every single one of us who know Christ, when we get to the end of the day and we actually follow what he says is the perfect ending to a day, which I'll unpack in just a second, we're not just having dinner. I'm going to talk about that next week. I'm going to talk about biblical dinner. We're not just having dinner. We're actually practicing for heaven. He goes on. He says, then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life God has given them under the sun. When I applied my mind to know wisdom and to observe the labor that's done on earth, people getting no sleep day or night, then I saw all that God has done. No one can comprehend what goes on under the sun. Despite all their efforts to search it out, no one can discover its meaning, even if the wise claim they know. They cannot really comprehend it. So, 
Solomon's closing. He's wrapping things up. He's saying, so here's the deal, okay? It, it's Sunday. I, g- I gave you the whole day. You're only halfway through, okay? Sleep in service. I love you. You're my people, all right? Up at the crack of noon, it's so good, all right? So, you know, you're, you're halfway through and you're going to hit a decision. Here's the right process. Start with the right king. Make sure you're under the right authority, the right heart, the right cause. Get all that stuff there. It's just a great way to make God-honoring decisions. And then you're going to encounter the questions. And here's the deal. That's kind of life, right? It's just going through the process. It's making decisions. It's, it's encountering questions. That's life. And then he comes to the end of it and says, so this is, what, this is the dream at the end of every single day. Have the right ending. At the end of the right process, living with the tension of the right questions, here's how you should finish it. Gather a group of really, really good friends, some allies. Have a really good meal. Like I said, we're going to talk about biblical dinner next week. Not going to be a cooking show, but close, okay? All right? (laughs) Have a good meal. Have a cold drink. Just hydrate. And then go to sleep. Some of you are like, that's it. Yeah. But understand why you're actually sleeping. Go to sleep knowing that the king will provide sweet rest because while you're sleeping, God is still fully and completely in control. As a follower of Jesus, you've got nothing to worry about. So curl up in a ball, put your head on the pillow, rub your satisfied stomach, (laughs) take one more sip of whatever, and thank God that tonight, because you have the right king, you get to rest easy. Now, some people go like, that doesn't seem like much of a perk. Really? Try going without sleep for four or five days and see how you're doing. What did Jesus say? Come to me, all you who are wearied and burdened, and I will give you a side of anxiety and depression. Is that what your Bible says? Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, finish it for me, rest for your soul. That sounds like a meaningful day. I'm going to ask the right questions. I'm going to go after the right answers. I'm going to do the process. I'm going to do everything I could. And at the end of the day, I'm going to gather my family, some allies. We're going to eat a good meal, have a nice cold drink, and we're all going to go to bed satisfied. That sounds meaningful to me. But it all starts with one decision. We're going to come full circle. Maybe you're here today and you say, Grant, that just sounds, that sounds so simple, but so beautiful. But the truth is, I don't know if I got the right king. You can. Today, Jesus Christ wants nothing more than to be the Lord, Savior, and King of your life. Will he ask much of you? Yes, he will. To whom much has been given, much will be required. But I want you to know, in laying down your life, Jesus went first. Came, died on a cross so you could have an opportunity to have a relationship with him.
today. So I'd like to give you an opportunity. I mean, it just would be spiritual malpractice to me to talk about having the right king and not give people an opportunity to. And I've been surprised. I mean, even, even in, in summer, we've seen people experience new life the last two services. And I'd love for you to, I remember the day, 18-ish, when I abdicated the throne of my life and said, Jesus, I need you to take over. The best decision I've ever made. Has it been smooth ever since? Nope. Has it been gloriously awful at times? Yep. Has it been meaningful? Oh, you have no idea. So I'd like to invite you today, if you've never met Christ before, to pray with me, and we're going to pray together. Would you pray with me right now? So if God is tapping on the, the, the door of your heart right now, I pray that you'd respond and that you'd pray a simple prayer with me in your heart right now. Jesus, I admit that I have tried to be the king of my own life. It worked, and I've been wrong. So God, I confess to you, I've sinned against you. I have a, a huge resume of sin. But right now, I'm going to take you at your word. Because in the Bible, you said, if we confess our sin, that you would be faithful and just and would forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God, I'm asking right now, would you wash me as white as snow? I know I don't deserve it, but I'm claiming your promise. God, right now, I give my heart fully and completely to you. I'm asking, would you be Lord, King, and Savior of my life? And God, by placing myself under your authority, which is a loving place to be, I give you the rest of my life. Every day, I will take up the cause of Jesus. And I will not be afraid. And all I ask is at the end of the day, you would give me sweet rest. I give myself to you right now. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, never going to do anything to embarrass you. But if you prayed that prayer today, boy, I'd love to pray for you this week. So if you prayed that prayer, would you just slip your hand up in the air right now? Just, just stick it straight up. God bless you and you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. In the back corner, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you down here. God bless you guys. God, thank you that you're still making all things new. Even for those of us that thought we'd blown our opportunity, you still give grace, mercy, and forgiveness. And I thank you for every person who raised a trembling hand today. God, I pray that they would know they are loved by you and by your church. And God, I thank you that as we go out today, we're equipped to make more godly decisions. It's okay for us to ask hard questions. And God, we just simply ask, would you bless us with the right ending at the end of today? Lord, we love you. We give ourselves to you. We ask for your hope and peace today. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.